episode 15 on the clock. We have 20 minutes here, and I really want Nathan to tell the story, the story of the job. Yeah. Or Maybe whatever you a, want to call it. Uh, yeah, the job, right, the job. So as everybody knows, I was um, a full-fledged OBGYN, and then I... Uh, I also had training in hospice and palliative medicine. So what brought me out to California to from California to Kentucky was a job in inpatient palliative care. And that job wasn't right. We decided to part ways. Um, I would say relatively peacefully. I mean, it wasn't like a bad thing. It was just like, Hey, it's not a right fit. Like, I don't really like you. You don't really like me. It's fine. <laughs> Who doesn't like me? Come on. <laughs> I know. It's always hard for me to imagine, but yet. Yeah. Anyway. Well, I mean, I wrote a Hartley. I have a nose ring. I had mostly sort of like a faux hawk. Like I, I, I was kind of an odd bird. I get that. I worked like combat boots to work. You know, it's whatever. It's fine. It's, it wasn't like I wasn't practicing safe medicine or doing good patient care. It was just a difference in my sort of, I didn't weave well into the corporate fabric. So right. whatever. Well, makes sense. So yeah. So I left that and I started working full-time hospice and I was loving it. I was you know, spending as many hours as I needed holding people's hands and talking about fears and what do you think happens after we die? And that's a spiritual process in and of itself. We talked about medicine stories and the importance of storytelling. Well, you get to hear a person's entire 95 year history and it becomes a part of you. You hear people's stories over and over and over again. I I like to say that I've attended a thousand births and a thousand deaths because I stopped counting. Um, and of course I'm not there at the moment that they die. But the dying process begins way before they take their last mm, breath. And yeah. so the real magic is in those days or weeks beforehand. And I had the privilege of caring for people in that space. And an important part of caring for somebody through love and compassion is being able to engage with them emotionally. And that takes time and it takes presence and it takes connection. And you can't connect with somebody if you can't see their face. <laughs> yeah. So time and time again, following all the company's policies, um, except whenever they, the patient in my engagement with them needed me to break those policies, I did my thing. I wore the masks, I wore the face shield, I did the thing I needed to do. But people caught on to that, I suppose, and there was a, um, I don't know, at some point somebody told, told on me that I was taking my mask down to talk to patients in this way, and... I got fired. No questions asked. It was a zero tolerance policy that was enacted and I was called in the next day and I was fired. Yeah. So. Unbelievable on some level, not on others, but wow. Yeah. Yeah. And I know that we spent our last episode kind of dishing on the the way that these COVID policies kind of lack discernment. But this felt especially this was especially hurtful to me Mm. and it's not because I blame the company in fact I have I I will continue to recommend that people use the agency that I was working for because I think that they are doing an awesome job of providing hospice care but in other on on the other hand it, it also kind of feels like they showed their cards and it turns out I was holding go fish cards and they were holding poker cards. <laughs> oh, yeah, it's <laughs> a good way of putting it. Once again, we just simply didn't align. We didn't align. We weren't resonating. And that's okay. Like I, I broke the rules and I paid the price. Um, 
So I don't harbor any ill will towards them or that do I feel bad if I saw them in the grocery store, I wouldn't be like, ah, fuck you. It's just like, hey, I'm sorry that you don't see my value. Yeah. And so like the, the nuts and bolts of this experience for me were that I'm trying to engage with a 95-year-old patient who's dying of cancer right? You've made it 95 years and now you have bladder cancer or metastatic lung cancer, or maybe not. Maybe you're just dying of old age. But for the past 18 months plus, people have been dying for a whole variety of reasons. Mostly, by the way, mostly not COVID. In fact, I could give you a hundred examples of patients who have every comorbidity in the world, who had a positive nasal swab for COVID-19 or whatever. The test, by the way, doesn't test for COVID-19. That's the disease that could ensue after you you pick up this virus. So the test doesn't test you for positive for COVID. It tests you for the presence of some nucleic acid strip that's living in your nostrils at the time that it was collected, which is why some people get like 10 of these tests. Mm. And five of them are positive, five are negative, and they're all taken within a week. You know, like what information do can we actually glean from that? But I digress. The the reality for a person who's dying is that the application of our parameters of, of keeping people safe no longer apply any more than trying to fit a birthing person into a box serves them in the sacred experience of giving birth. So for a person, you know, they used to say pneumonia is an old man's best friend. And the reason for that is that something will take us and it will probably be an infection because your body is a part of the soil you come from the soil, you go back to the yep. soil. And we are so desperate to remain separate from nature that we're willing to bury ourselves in caskets, lead-lined caskets inside of concrete tombs because heaven forbid we become worm food. And so the conversation around safety needs to be tossed out the window in birth and death because safety is a completely moving target that could change moment to moment at the end of a person's life. Right. So with, so with that in mind... Imagine if for the last 18 months, you haven't had any human connection. You haven't been touched. You haven't been hugged. You haven't had somebody get close enough to you for you to rub your cheek up against theirs. And you can't even now see all of their expression. You don't even get to see their face. That to me sounds as dystopic as like a 60% C-section rate in some nations of the world, you know, where we're just surgically excising babies from your abdomen on a routine basis. Right. Unless you just by chance happen to have a baby on the way to the hospital or something like that. Right. You know? So for me, I wasn't doing any, I wasn't doing any harm. I was just giving this person some real medicine, which is the best medicine I can give, which doesn't come from the pharmacy. It doesn't come from the operating room. It comes from me holding your hand and telling you that I care and giving you the ability to connect back with your people, humans, before you step through that portal into whatever comes after. The reductive model doesn't value that. We all know that those things are true. We all know that when we get close to dying, that we don't want more medicine. We don't want more machines. We don't want more of that. We want to be close to the people that we love. And people are dying 
at rapid rates now, not because of COVID. They're dying because of isolation. They're dying because of, because of that lack of connection. So the 95-year-old who's trapped in their nursing home facility, please give me COVID. Like, please, somebody <laughs> take me. This is not a life worth living. Living is not merely prolonging, you know, the time from now until when right. you die. Living is, is embodying what it means to be a conscious human being. And every nurse, doctor, hospital staff member knows this, but we've reduced it to just vital signs and blood loss and O2 sats and all this other bullshit. Mm. Forgetting that there is an important part of you being alive that can't be quantified. The quality has been com lost completely. And one of the little things I always say is, if you cut open someone's heart, are you going to find love? How much love is in there? How, if I've cut open your brain, Marin, am I going to find consciousness? Oh, wow, look at all the consciousness in this. Right. These are not metrics. These are not quantifiable things. But they are equally, if not more important to our well-being at the end of life as they are in birth. So fortunately, I'm out of the system. And a couple people, including you, have congratulated me. And I can't feel, I couldn't feel better about it. Congratulations. For sure. Thank you. It's so cool to think that all of your medical training, like all of that led you to that moment. I think it's so beautiful because that's the definition of a doctor. That's, I mean, that's what it, it should have been. That's what it could have been. Maybe that's what it used to be. I don't know or just a space holder, or, you know, somebody mm -hmm. that has traveled your path, like that's the highest compliment, you know, that could be paid in a way to all of it, to you, to death, to these patients that you had. It really is. It's like the actual, yeah, testament to being a human, which you know, I feel like God is looking down and he's like, Nathan, you passed the test. Check. <laughs> you can graduate. <laughs> you know, because that's the congratulations. It's like, oh my gosh, you chose to be a human being. And that's why you have been on this path. Like for that moment of like, like connecting with that person, whoever they were, it's really so beautiful. Mm -hmm. And I know that you do feel that way, you know, rather mm -hmm. than like, I think the more mainstream, and I'm sure you did, right? Have lots of people that were like, oh my God, dude, you lost your job. Like that sucks. And I know you guys had stuff to figure out and, and it didn't feel good and all of the things, but still it's such a beautiful reflection of who you are. So I just want to honor you that in like all the public ways that mm -hmm. I, I see that. And I think it's so great. Well, thank you. Yeah. In so many ways, it's better that I was fired than having to resign because um, I kind of needed that thrust from the universe to actually get out of that space. You know, it wasn't serving me. You know, the 401k stuff, that's great. The 529 benefit, you know, saving up for college, like all those little things that keep us handcuffed to that system. Yep, yep. Like, yeah, it's great. It's great to, to have the money and this and that. But like, I sacrificed a giant paycheck and I can't tell you how wealthy I feel now. You know, um, we had some money saved up and, you know, Beloved Holistics is taking off in ways that I couldn't even have imagined. And yeah, so great. And yeah, now it lets me do the work that I, that I want to do. And, you know, people, in addition to saying, um, 
things like that, like you said, the it does. It, it hurts to ri- have the security blanket ripped off. But sometimes right. we need that to shed our skin and to emerge into a, a space where we can actually, you know, get back on our own path. And um, one of the common things people say to me, even before the being fired, one of the things that they say to me is, like, wow, what makes you so special? And I, I've come to realize that there's nothing special about me. Every single person in the medical system feels the exact same constraints, not only to how they're practicing, but to how they're living. Right. Like they become house broke, you know, buying a house that they can't afford with money they don't have to impress people they don't give a fuck about. Right. And that's the world, yeah. Yeah. And, and that's, I stole that from Fight Club. And I know that's been like rehearsed and reiterated in so many different ways. I've even seen it written on bathroom stalls. <laughs> oh, wow. <laughs> that this notion that like, hey, you have to do these things. Like if you don't do these things, you're not going to be successful. And so many doctors are in the system real, like then they know, and I'm not, not picking on doctors here. I, I'm, I'm actually lending some compassion to them. Like they know that this isn't the way that they want to be, including OBGYNs. Um, but they don't know that there's something else. They don't know that there's a different way to do it because they've just been indoctrinated to think that this is the only way you need to make this, you know, 200,000 plus a year, that's passed down to you by the insurance companies and the executive suites of your hospital. And they've decided this is the value that you provide in this dollar amount, this fiat currency, the value of which is going to change month by month when you you look at the stock market, right? And, um, and you just have to go with the flow. And if you don't, you're just going to be, you're going to be exposed and you're going to be replaced. And Stephanie said the most amazingly profound thing right before, about a week before I was fired, she said, you know, your training, like your entire life from age 18 until now has been to make you as dispensable as possible. <laughs> mm. So the only thing special about me is not only that I've come to, I came to terms with that early on, but the special thing about me is not that I have special tools or magical powers. It's that I've decided I don't want that. And there's an incredible levity that comes with just acknowledging that, hey, there's more to this than just running through the protocols and checking the boxes that somebody else wants you to check. And it allows me to really spread my wings and really tr- to, tr- to provide truly holistic OBGYN care to people. And that's, that's really what Beloved Holistics is, is really becoming. So I, I owe my, my former employer a debt of gratitude. I don't know how to yep. celebrate them. But yep. um, I also understand why people are still stuck in the system. They're just not there yet. They're not, on this, they're not, they're not there on, on the sa- at the same point on the same path that I am. And I hold no anger, resentment, or anything. It's amazing just how compassionately I look back and I'm like, oh, man, it's too bad you guys can't be here too. <laughs> yeah, you definitely have to be ready for yeah, giving up the security blanket as you say. Yeah. And all of it and when what it means and I think a lot of I know for me when I gave back my midwifery license it felt like a similar process. Um, you know, just who are you? Who are you now kind of thing. And realizing how infinitely creative you are. And, and for me, I feel like, you know, isn't that the reason why we're here to be creative, 
right? Not to just like be in the mold of doctor, in the mold of midwife, just doing it like we're told to do it. That never brought me happiness either to, you know, be instructed on those things. (laughs) Right. So once you're free of it, you're like, oh, this is actually life. And there are new challenges, but having someone tell you how you're going to do it and when and, and be in charge of your livelihood in your life is just not a risk. Uh, you know, I'm guessing you also will ever be willing to take again. I know I'm not, it would never Mm. be something Mm -hmm. I would do. Um, but yeah, just so much freedom in that. And I know like with our kids, that's something we really try to, to impart on them too, you know, just that a job by definition is, is really something that someone else gives you permission to, and then you have all these things to keep it in line. And if that really works for you, should totally do that. (laughs) But I think there are definitely people like us where uh, being jobless is the best thing that could ever happen because you realize you're in charge of your life, which is so much more than your work. You know, it's all the things that you now have time for, like your family. Yeah, I mean, that's exactly right. Like I, I am working, but I'm not doing a job. I'm caring for people. And that's very life affirming. It really, really is. Um, for any any doctor, midwife, or whoever is who works with insurance companies, I don't think people realize like you're working mm-hmm. for an insurance company. The way it works is you sign a contract. It's a fee schedule with the insurance company that says, "Hey, our the people you're caring for are paying us, the insurance company, and then we are doling out money to you based on what we think your value is." So I have clients that want to work with me, and they're like oh, can you write up like a consult note so I can send to my insurance company? And I say, absolutely not. Like, you're, I'm not working for them. And neither are you. Neither are you. Like, like, we don't have to have that insurance company. There's good reason to have an insurance policy for certain things. Or is there? Well, y- you could argue there wouldn't be, but, but like, let's take the example of like, you're in a massive car accident and you don't have money to buy a new car. Well, fortunately, your insurance company, you had a policy with them and they replaced the car at whatever value, you know? So what I'm trying to say is that I I can understand why people see value in that system. But if that system, this insurance payer system stops serving you in your healing, then you have to get out of that. Like you just have to scrap that all together. And and people don't realize that by me not, by me charging out of pocket, and my rate is $350 an hour, that sounds like a lot of money. On the other hand, you're getting way more than what the insurance company is paying me to do for you. People don't realize that, that the insurance company is paying me to care for you. And they're saying, we will pay you this, like a little carrot dangling there, but they, hmm. they, they, they pull it out of reach and they're like, but the conditions right. are, right. here's this thousand page document. Right. And if you deviate from that, not only are we not going to pay you, but we're going to also have to raise some red flags because you're not complying with what we say and what we what we the way that we word that within this medical industrial complex is they're not practicing safely well based on what based on what metric the patient is feeling better and they're doing better than ever than ever before so why wouldn't you actually be paying me more i did a better job than the other person who did accept your insurance option you know um yeah. but people don't see it that way we're just we're so um the, the medical industrial complex has been painted with this 
safety paintbrush and they use all this colorful language but really what it comes down to is there are so many factors that are in the way of you getting the right care and and i will say for your in your practice marin like you are providing care for people that that goes way beyond what they're going to get in the hospital system and it's not because the hospital system is bad it's because the hospital system has detached the person caring for them from the care that they're seeking to get and that's where we like we we brush all that out of the way and we go straight to the client and we say here's what i'm going to do for you right yeah cut out the middleman yeah yeah, we should do another episode sometime on all of that and insurance. I mean, I have never worked with insurance. I never would, even when I was licensed. It was just philosophically against anything I wanted mm-hmm. to be involved in because mm-hmm. really it's just a culture of death. It's just a culture of death and sickness and people are buying into it, literally, literally and metaphorically buying into it. And, you mm-hmm. know, we, we parted with that many, many years ago in our own lives. So that's a whole different thing. But, yeah. you know, in a system where that's, that's the relationship. That's the norm. Um, people just go along with it, mm-hmm. you know, unless they have something happen, maybe like you have, right. Where they're starting to think outside of, okay, now what, uh, what would life look like if I just didn't do these things? Right. So, yeah. And, and, and as one little, I know that we're out of time, but one final clarification for anybody listening, I think that the natural tendency is to think, Oh, this guy has to talk like that. Cause he got fired. Well, I was already, (laughs) I had already given birth to Beloved Holistics and I was doing it on the side and preparing it for when I could step out of that system altogether. It just, the universe was like, nope, you got to do this work. You're the only person who does this work. Your practice is unique. And we, you know, we, (laughs) I'm speaking the collective, you know, elemental beings and and spirits that be, they, uh, they had other plans. So uh, again, so fortunate. And um, yeah, I'm glad I got to share that story. Yeah, thank you so much for sharing it here. And timing is everything. Mm-hmm. I, I agree with you, you know? Yeah. There'll always be sort of cynical, cynical takes on things, but um, it was meant to be because mm. now you're you're free. You're free of all that and you actually have time and energy and space to do the things you want and, you know, do this new venture and collaborate and all of the things that are bringing you joy. So congratulations once again. Thank you. Thank you.